Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know as we are flying headlong into 2023. We looked around at each other and we said we're overdue for a solid episode on Ghost, on the paranormal. And earlier, if you'll recall, uh, Matt, you had asked whether we had a nice one-and-done topic. You know, we get we get bogged down, rightly so, in continuing geopolitical events. And as soon as you asked this question, Matt, the answer came back instantly. What was that? <laughs> what did we come up with when you asked about a solid one and done paranormal episode? Uh, yeah, I, I asked about that because, you know, sometimes we do two parters, right? And we want to re- release the episodes on usually a Wednesday and Friday. So you get to hear them in the same week. Uh, but we're doing this one today because Ben shot back immediately haunted airplanes and. Yeah, you know, like the Spruce Goose or the Spirit of St. Louis. No, not that. But I've always thought the Spirit of St. Louis sounded kind of haunted. Well, it's a great name. Whichever one we were talking about, just the phrase alone made us all go, yes. So here we go. Wheels up. Please make sure your lap belts are fastened. Tray tables. Uh, Tray tables up. (laughs) Tray tables up. Uh, Make sure your seat is not reclined. Here are the facts. Okay, look. Airplanes are amazing. All right? Take that, birds. 
we got up there too, says humanity. Uh, and they're also, airplanes are not quite as newfangled as we might assume. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, you may, you have probably seen or driven or rode in a vehicle on the ground of some sort. Uh, but airplanes still are a thing that uh, not all 8 billion plus people are going to experience directly. They, they, you might see it in the sky, right? Uh, it's rarefied air to ride in one. It's even more rare for someone to pilot one. But they're not really that new. I, they, like Carl Benz of Mercedes-Benz fame uh, is often cited as, we have to be careful with inventions here, uh, often cited as the first person to get a gas-powered automobile to the commercial market. And that happened in 1885, less than 20 years after that, there were some really focused nerds, let's be honest, uh, the Wright brothers, and they made a pretty cool proof of concept. They had a powered flight at a place called Kitty Hawk in the United States in 1903, and they hit on something, right? They hit on that screw you birds energy, <laughs> right? Like for centuries, people have dreamed of flying. There's that old far side cartoon about the caveman seeing a bird fly and deciding between inventing uh, a flight machine of its own or inventing a bow and arrow and then just shooting the bird. Well, you know, anyone that's uh, either shooting birds or saying bird, screw you to birds is all right with me. So uh, I fully support this, you know, because birds are for the birds. But so are like airplane prototypes that don't always uh, get the job done. There there are a lot of really cool ideas that just didn't work out. OK, <laughs> nope, mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely there, not. there are a lot of people who uh, died attempting flight. A lot of human beings uh, throughout history tried to invent ways to fly and did not meet with the same success of the Wright brothers. And it's weird because the human species has thought of flight and mortality often in the same cognitive breath, like death in so many religions is portrayed as this ascendant experience. Your, your body is gone. Your soul rises to the heavens or the sky. And there's, there's something so primal about the idea, right? The idea that every ground lane will have. Why am I up here? Why am I in this tube? How fast is this going? Are we okay? Call me down. Give me some peanuts or some pretzels. You know what or I mean? Cracker Maybe jacks. more coffee. Sorry. <laughs> or cracker I jacks? felt like we were going into yeah, that. Take, yeah. you know, that song. Take, me, take me out of the <laughs> ball game. This is an Amer as American as baseball or, or apple pie <laughs> or dying in a test flight. Ooh. Oh, boy. That's good. Uh, also, you know, some people who are listening today, some of our fellow listeners, love being on planes. Some people absolutely hate it. Now, Matt and Noel and I have been in situations where we get a call or some sort of communique that requires us to be wheels up 
pretty quickly. And so we are familiar with planes, perhaps uh, more so than the average person who is not in the aviation industry. But I, I, I keep thinking about this very American fascination with planes in general, right? Uh, motorized flight invented in the U.S., uh, and then also one of the most iconic Twilight Zone episodes ever. Incredible. Yeah, it's William Shatner freaking out at the window seat of a plane. Well, and like, you know, it, and despite how corny it looks to this day, it still captures and capitalizes on, I think, a fear that a lot of people still have. I think maybe the three of us take for granted a little bit that we can fly without experiencing existential terror. But I think we all have friends that 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 cannot. Just the act itself of being in the sky. Matt's raising his hand there. Uh, not a fan. Um, some people just it's, it's, it's nothing to them. And some people it you got to take a Dramamine or you're going to be clutching the walls like Bugs Bunny in that. That parody of said Twilight Zone episode that Looney Tunes did, where there's a gremlin uh, terrorizing Bugs Bunny on a on a fighter plane. Uh, yeah, I think the fear that a lot of people have is a lack of control. You you when you're in a vehicle driving around, if you're the driver, you at least feel as though you are in control, even though. <laughs> Your control is based on the actions of all the people around you. But when you're in a, you know, plane, there's two people up there, literally two people, and they're the ones. <laughs> if anything happens to them, sorry. Yeah, well, three, there's a flight engineer, you know, there's there's a whole team of, <laughs> there's air traffic controllers, some of the most stressed out people I have ever met in uh, over a long period of meeting humans. But, but uh, there's two on the plane that know how it works really, really well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't want just one person, <laughs> right? No. You want two people. You want some checks and balances. And for a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists, this idea of tying religious or spiritual or paranormal significance to a vehicle, it might sound weird, but if we pull back and we look at the larger context, we see that there are many urban legends. There are many pieces of folklore that take place in transit, you know, like ghostly hitchhikers uh, before that ghost riders in the sky, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and then of course, haunted ships, Mary Celeste and so on uh, for a lot of people still, despite all the stuff you hear, you might find plane travel untrustworthy. And it's strange because we see the discrepancy between intellectually knowing something, being aware of facts and statistics versus experientially encountering something like you said matt uh i you know you, you might be someone hopping on a plane and you might be very um very weirded out on a primal level right some part of your reptilian brain is saying i'm not supposed to be this high up unless i've got a mountain under my feet uh and i don't care what the statistics say even though you know multiple studies have proven that flying is in fact way safer than driving or riding in a car. 
Well, I love you mentioned that reptile brain thing because Matt and I, I think, experienced that in person, uh, or at least Matt tried to get me to to do one of these uh, VR headset things where, like, you walk out on a plank when he first got his Oculus or whatever a couple years ago. And I, I, in my living room, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I was so arrested by the, you know, the whole three-dimensional kind of immersiveness of it that I couldn't bring myself to it. I eventually, you know, got up the courage and did it once I got one of my own. But that very night, I, like, refused to do it, despite knowing that I was standing on my carpet. And the graphics aren't even that good. It's, like, it's kind of like Sims-level graphics, you know? Yeah. But despite the fact that if you are actually in a plane, flying through the air, your feet not strapped down to anything that's attached to the earth uh, in a very fe- unnatural-feeling way... It is much safer, as you said, Ben, because do you want to talk about the odds? Yeah, let's do the odds. Let's, you know, let's roll the dice. Let's see. Okay, so we have a quote here uh, from a Harvard study that found the odds of being in an accident during a flight is one in 1.2 million. One in 1.2 million. And the chances of that accident being fatal are one in 11 million. That's pretty good. Those are good chances. Uh, what about if you're driving a car? One in 5,000 in the European Union, Australia, and the United States. Also, there's, there's a weird thing. Planes seem to be getting safer over time. You know, think about it. If you're one of the big car manufacturers of the world, you can work around the clock to improve the safety of vehicles. You can try your best to build a vehicle that will keep the passengers alive if something goes sideways, but you can't really do anything when that vehicle gets on the road, right? And people are driving around 80 plus miles an hour with the weird system of painted lines that we have pointed out uh, or cartoonish uh, in previous episodes with planes, because there are far fewer planes than there are cars, flying is statistically safer. Your road trip is more dangerous than your flight. That's just the truth. Yeah, your, your safety isn't just dependent on the choices of that person next to you or those, you know, 500 3,000 other people on that same highway you're on. Uh, it's based on the pilots. And as you said, Ben, the control system, the the seriously accurate, intense control system that is used to know where flights are at all, at any given time, right? Even though sometimes it does fail for just a couple hours. Well, we saw... Saw a big, massive uh, uh, chain reaction when that thing happened, and it was just, you know, a lot of these systems are kind of antiquated, you know, in terms of the the front-end systems, the actual computer software, and the, the hardware that, frankly, is a little bit out of date, along with the planes themselves. I mean, we've seen, you know, planes that still have cigarette ashtrays, you know, in the seat arms and, you know, things like that that just... Why are these still here? It makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit, and it's because of all these fleets are, are serious need of update. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And you can see this in flight safety standards across the planet, which are not uniform. Uh, We would be remiss if we did not mention a very recent plane crash in Nepal. And this was a fatal crash. It has currently resulted in the deaths of at least 68 people. It was the most deadly plane crash in 30 years for Nepal. 
Uh, additionally, a lot of people are avoiding flights or thinking twice about it because they've heard the news about things like the Boeing 737 MAX. Uh, this this resulted in some heavy financial consequences for Boeing. Of course, it's... And hundreds of lives lost. <laughs> yeah, yes. And hundreds of people died and also none of the people at Boeing are going to jail. Well, and there was a recent story, I think from January 13th, maybe, of this year, about the the flight to Hawaii that experienced intense turbulence. Do you remember hearing about that, mm-hmm. guys? There was a recent story out of NBC News that was talking about this very strange plume of uh, turbulent essentially cloud of cloud that was extremely turbulent and caused a bunch of injuries on the flight, which is, it has nothing to do with the plane and how it's built and its safety features. It's it's more like just an atmospheric phenomena that occurred. that caused a problem. A horrific pothole. Mm -hmm. You're, you're sitting in your seat, right? And maybe you ignored the little light that comes on that tells you to wear your seatbelt. And all of a sudden you are in some non-consensual chiropractic appointments with the roof. <laughs> well, in that situation, it was between one and three seconds between visually seeing the plume that shot up like in front of the plane and being able to alert uh, everybody on board. It was it's just nuts. That's that scares me, guys. <laughs> yeah, it should. Also, the uh, the crews of commercial airlines as well as military airlines are or aircraft, I should say, are holding safety as the number one priority in 99% of the cases. You know, those flight attendants who have to put up with so much trash from so many people, their number one function is safety. It's not to give you peanuts or even Cracker Jacks. But uh, but then there, there are other things that scare you if you don't love airplanes. The idea that planes famously go missing the world is big the ocean is most of it sometimes stuff just disappears we talked about this uh previously malaysia airlines flight mh370 is probably one of the most famous recent examples uh the cause of the crash or disappearance is still not officially confirmed There are various theories regarding it, but that was just in 2014, not too long ago. And uh, I found a a piece from a British tabloid called The Mirror about how people were still finding debris from that craft as recently as 2017. A piece of it was being used as an ironing board. Well, that's the kind of thing, I mean, ships... Planes, even some vehicles have been have gone missing. There are at least legends of those kinds of disappearances that persist uh, often. That is certainly the one that I think about the most, Ben. But we're going to talk about uh, at least one other one in this episode that just kind of baffles you for a little while, at least. Right. Uh, It's spooky. You know what I mean? Uh, If you are hopping on to a plane and you have no control over the craft, you are a lot like people hopping onto a boat. 
right? And going off towards some blue horizon. You might feel a little better if you have some superstitions, you know, you might like, have you ever been on a plane and someone claps when the plane lands? Yeah. That's a little unnerving, isn't it? It's a I mean, bit. It's a, yeah, at that point, it's like obviously all good, but it's sort of like, was this a surprise? Are, are we surprised about this? Yeah. It, it's true. There are all sorts of superstitions in the world of aviation, just like there are in maritime exploration. You know, like, of course, some of it's very basic. You're a pilot in a cockpit. Hey, don't make jokes about planes crashing. That's just bad taste. Uh, But it gets really specific. And if you look at the folklore of it, a lot of those aviation superstitions tend to date back to World War II. Planes were making the scene in a big way, and they were also way less reliable. And, you know, fine. Everybody listening to this is, statistically speaking, alive. So uh, there's nothing wrong with a little superstition if it makes you feel better, right? It reminds me a lot of professional athletes who have some small thing they do before every game or the day before a game or, you know, when they go like a a basketball player that does a specific dribble, you know, before they shoot a free throw. It reminds me of that kind of ritualization. Um, but man, Ben, you found a list that has some stuff in there. <laughs> Ooh, what do we got? One... Did you did you like any? Oh, I like a lot of them. There's there's one quote. It's number seven on the list that you sent, and it's an Air Force F eighty four pilot who would always duck under the intake and exhaust. So like the engines uh, when he's going around doing his pre-flight check and his quote was that if you let the engines see you it will kill you <laughs> like, don't, like but making the plane a thing like a creature right that you well, kind of like have to be wary of she i mean you know it, it is kind of a, a respect thing i think with any large vessel there's a certain amount of deference that's paid and superstition that goes into those kinds of things you know it's like the moment you take it for granted it will chew you up and spit you out and that's an article from carly courtney over at disciplesofflight.com. This, yeah, this is this is a real thing. And again, if you are not hurting anyone, then you're just, you're doing your thing that makes you comfortable, just like an athlete, right? That's what a pilot is in many ways. And the question is, how far does this belief in the paranormal or this practice of superstition go when you're up there in the clouds and any one thing going wrong can reacquaint you with the ground in a way that uh, might not be advantageous to you. Are any planes carrying more than mortal passengers? Are any airplanes actually haunted? We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors. Uh, Adjust your safety belts and please remember to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your neighbor. Uh, In the meantime, we'll be right back. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Here's where it gets crazy. All right. Anybody been on a haunted airplane? I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I hope not. not. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. I love the optimism. Well, it, it turns out that there are there are haunted airplanes, depending on the people that you ask. There's, uh, like you teased earlier, Matt, there's one plane in particular that's very popular for being haunted, or not quite haunted. It's, uh, it's treated as sentient. It reminded me of the objects in that video game, Control. Uh, Matt, you're the one who hit me to the game control. Noel, have you played that game? No, I think it's one that you guys have talked about and sounded incredibly uh, appealing. Uh, isn't it sort of like a timey-wimey, weird, like parallel universe thing involving some psychic powers? Yeah, man, it's weird okay, horror, cool. baby. Yeah, it sounds Ben's great. talking about objects of power, man. That's some what his they call corrupted, His corrupted objects of power. PS? Yeah, what, what PlayStation. System? Okay, cool. I'm 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 gonna check into that right after we finish. But no, this yeah, this is right up my wheelhouse. Up my wheelhouse, in my wheelhouse, up my alley, whatever you want to call it. In your uh flight deck. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Thank itinerary. You. I whatever. You know, we are not ourselves aviators. None of us have a pilot license. Although I think at one point Matt had a pretty slick pair of aviator sunglasses. I can't remember. Uh I have friends that have pilot's licenses. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. I don't, I don't need one. I don't need one. <laughs> you can the aviators to so look cool. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Those are just for me. I don't know, Noel. Uh, Matt, Matt looks like, the, Matt, not to profile you here, but it looks like you're the type of dude with the right sunglasses that if you strolled into a regional airport with a confident air, I think you could, I think you get by getting a cockpit. I think, it, yeah, I think you could. I'd have to buy a, a suit and like a lapel or whatever they put on there. Yeah, but uh, we can make it work. All right, good. We're always planning some sort of heist. Uh, the, the, we'll get to this weird object of power or this weird purportedly sentient plane. But first, we've got to look at the non-supernatural real instances of what are called ghost flights or ghost planes, because they are two very real street names for some very strange things. So there are a couple of technical terms, I guess you could call them, uh, for these things. We've got uh, ghost plane or ghost flight, which is a term that's used uh, in commercial aviation circles to describe a formerly pretty rare practice in which an airline conducts a regularly scheduled flight with a plane containing less than 10% of the flight's total capacity. Oh, dare um, to dream. Can you imagine? Dream. Be, what, oh, what, a, what a treat that would be. I imagine, Ben, these are just tests. Or, or or like, uh, what's the point of these? It seems like that you know, fuel being so expensive, I understand why these would be rare. But what is the uh, what is the purpose? Doesn't seem like there's anything fishy or supernatural going on here. They got to keep their spots at airports. Commercial mm. airliners have to like they have to still land a plane to stay in the yeah in the, uh, whatever in the kitty. I guess mm. yeah yeah. And That's interesting. And I guess during COVID, when nobody was flying, this maybe uh, had a little bit of an uptick. Mm, just so. Yeah. And you may think, why would you still send a plane all the way across the ocean or something if it's only got 10% capacity? The company isn't making money, right? You're still paying everybody. You're still paying for all the fuel. That doesn't make sense. As you guys said, it makes sense to you know, for the company for other reasons. The other problem is that plane is still spewing all that exhaust up into the atmosphere. And uh, people don't like that. Yeah. Ghost flights accelerated during, uh, well, increased maybe would be the best word, uh, during the pandemic. And these airlines who were, you know, they were hemorrhaging money. They needed to maintain they're regularly scheduled flights. That's why outfits like Delta in the United States started carrying freight, right? Uh, because they needed to hold that spot, just as you said, Noel. Uh, there's another very real and very uncool thing that the phrase ghost plane or flight describes. It's a specific type of crash, and it is... Thankfully, not a crash that happens often, but has occurred multiple times. Yeah, it's because these planes have very sophisticated autopilot systems. And this term describes what happens if an entire uh, flight crew, as well as maybe even passengers on board a plane, all are incapacitated in one way or another, often by hypoxia, where the the cabin of the plane is... Um, 
depressurized in a way that there's not enough oxygen for everybody to breathe. And when that happens, it's not good. So if you imagine a ghost flight or a ghost plane that's still full of passengers and a flight crew, but everybody in there is asleep or, you know, dying essentially, but the plane is still aloft flying around, maybe doing a circle over a city waiting to land. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really, that's really disturbing and creepy. Did y'all watch that show Station 11? Is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about kind of a post-apocalyptic kind of thing about like a virus. Uh, that dude, Hiro Mirai, directed a bunch of it, and I just thought it was really fabulous. But there's a situation where there's a ghost plane, kind of. It's a plane full of people infected with this plague, and they essentially are not allowed to leave the plane. Um, so it's a different kind of ghost plane. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's not too far away from a possible future. Uh, Matt, one thing that I really appreciate that you pointed out was the Helios flight 522. Uh, that, again, this is the ghost flight hypoxia stuff uh, has occurred in multiple instances and ac- continues to occur in the recent day. Could you tell us a little bit about Helios? Yes, Ben. This is a flight. It was Helios Airways Flight 522. It occurred on August 14th, 2005. And it was a situation where the plane went up, cabin was depressurized, not enough oxygen inside. The crew was unable to stop it from happening. And it goes back to that situation. Put your mask on, like you said, Ben, on yourself before your, you know, your loved ones or anybody else. Um, they were just unable to do anything, and the flight ended up circling over a city until the fuel ran out, basically. So the whole thing's on autopilot, and nobody could do anything about it. The military even scrambled jets to check on the thing, and they could see that there was nobody in the pilot seat, or at least they couldn't see anyone in the pilot seat, but they could see the co-pilot slumped over the controls, wow. and a couple of windows were open, and there were people with the masks down that see, they looked like they were incapacitated and that's all they could see in the flights just going around and around and around. Shout out to everybody listening to this episode on a plane. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, uh, hope you're having a great time. Uh, also, also we'll get to, we'll get to some of the uh, paranormal stuff as well. We needed to establish that there are real things, real events that you will hear described as ghost planes or ghost flights. If you go to the idea of haunted planes, you'll see tons of apocryphal stories. You know, the perfect kind of like unsolved mystery, time, life presents legends, uh, tall tales about ghosts. You know, there are stories of uh, kid, like ghostly Ghostly children voices talking over the radio to air traffic control. Uh, and then there, there are uh, stories of uh, passengers who are not on a manifest just appearing and then saying something cryptic or heartwarming to someone on the crew or someone in line for the restroom. And then they're like, hey, go tell the passenger in 27A that, you know, she was right. I'm sorry. I love her. And then they vanish. Uh, or they're, this is one of the most interesting ones in decades past, stories of planes that disappear only to return decades later 
hundreds of miles away from their destination. And these are some of the legends that I think uh, I think were treated as fact by a lot of people when they first read about this. Some of them sound like bunk. I mean, straight out of the Weekly World News, which, spoiler, they were. Yeah, or the National Enquirer. This one, as you said, been actually the Weekly World News, an actual tabloid. Was Woo. there a picture associated with this story? Because those are always the best when they have a like poorly photoshopped image, you know, massively printed and clearly forged. Elvis Presley is pregnant. Bat boy refuses to pay alimony. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Bat boy caught in night out horror show. <laughs> right. All right, well, let's tell the tale of Pan Am Flight 914. That's right. Pan Am Flight 914 was a Douglas DC-4 with 57 passengers and six crew members bound for Miami, Florida on July 2nd, 1955. Takes off from New York City. The flight was scheduled to last just a couple of hours. That's a short flight, but it never arrived in Miami. Instead, the story goes, it showed up unannounced and invisible to radar on March 9th, 1985, 30 Sorry? years later. In Caracas, you know, like <laughs> yeah. air traffic controllers are, are going, wait, what, what? Uh, so for a few years after this story, hits the news. UFOlogists and various fringe researchers love to go back and forth with this. What happened? You know, why won't Uncle Sam or Venezuela really talk about Pan Am Flight 914? Uh, because it never happened. It's a story. What? It's completely fictional. I know. It was published in Weekly World News in 1985, the same year that that paper claimed this flight had mysteriously reappeared. And then further, as, as we can see, Weekly World News published basically the same story two times in the 1990s. And uh, they switched it up a little bit and they said, okay, this flight did disappear in 1955, just like you said, Noel, uh, but it, this time it landed in 1992. Total no. fabrication. Yeah. Dang. That made me so excited because it would be a real wormhole situation, guys. And I've been longing for a real wormhole situation. Every time, every time I'm on a flight and it lands, if I ever fall asleep on a plane, and you guys know I rarely sleep, if I ever fall asleep on a plane, I'm just hoping that when it lands, I'll be in a totally different, you know, like timeline, right? Dinosaurs? You know, if, 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 have you guys ever read The Langoliers <laughs> yes, uh, by yeah. Stephen King? Yeah, there's that's a cool plane time travel timey-wimey mm -hmm. kind of story. I've been listening to a podcast, Quick Shadows, called Just King Things, and it's these two really smart fellows that are going through every single one of Stephen King's book books in publication order, and I'm listening to some, even if I haven't read the books, but, but many of them I have, and they point out that King often mentions the Bermuda Triangle and then the idea of, like, weird stuff happening over that part of the ocean. Not to mention, Ben, I think a, a favorite trope of yours with 
king um, is is haunted or sentient or haunted inanimate objects, uh, specifically vehicles. You know, whether it be you know uh, Christine with the with the car or the Mangler, which was about a haunted laundry machine. Um, I, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting trope in in sci-fi. The king kind of spearheaded and sort of made it a thing. I don't know. I think it's neat. Makes me wonder if um, he you know <laughs> took any inspiration from any of these stories that we're talking about today. I'm sure he read the Weekly World News. Come on. You know Stephen King had that stuff. Classy fella. Yeah, 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 Imagine yeah. all the cool stories that you could find and glean from that stuff. Mm-hmm. And another example would be Santiago Flight 513. What happens with this Santiago Flight? Well, it's 1954, and according to the story, you guys, this Santiago Airlines flight, number 513, it took off from Germany on its way to Brazil, and it disappeared while flying over the Atlantic. Okay. I mean, that's horrifying and terrible. That would make the news. But what happened next Mm, is truly supernatural. Yes, it did eventually land in Brazil. In 1989, and when the ground crew at the Brazilian airport approached this flight, they found the plane intact, but it looked weathered, and every seat inside had a skeleton in there, dried and desiccated, as though aeons had passed. Spoiler! They did not use the word aeons because that's too out of bounds for the vocabulary <laughs> of the Weekly World News, which also Aww. made up this story. <laughs> so, it was like the Draugr, you know? Uh, it's a plane like full it. of Draugr. I like that, Matt. I like what are that. the protections that the Weekly World News enjoy that allows them to just print whatever bullshit, you know, they, they like? The Satire? First Amendment? Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, there's also laws against screaming fire, you know, in a, in a crowded space. I mean, not that that's the journalist equivalent of what they're doing exactly, but uh, I guess it must be just it's so beyond the, the, the bounds of credibility that, you know, who, who would believe it? Uh, and also, you know, the reputation of the publication. But I don't know. It must be the same thing that allows the onion to operate. You know what it reminds me of, Ben? The first episode of Fringe that you made me watch, and then I ended up watching the whole dang thing. People don't make people do things. People should. <laughs> your choices are your own. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, you know, I was thinking of Fringe as well. I mean, humanity has always been captivated with the idea of transit, right? And so a new form of transit must seem somehow magical, especially if it's something you cannot do on your own. Sorry, human beings. Currently, none of you can fly unaided. Uh, There are some people who are good at gliding, and they also inevitably end up on the ground. 100% of them. Uh, There's another story, though, that is not from the Weekly World News. It's a story that is illustrative of the folklore Right, the modern folklore surrounding the concept of haunted airplanes and aircraft. It's the story of Eastern Airlines Flight 401. Uh, I, I don't know about you all, but I had not heard of this one at all until we started digging into this episode. And to keep it 100% here, I'm surprised I didn't hear about it because it was quite a big deal in pop culture, which becomes 
part of the problem. But it was a real flight, and it was a genuine tragedy. And Miami comes up again in this story. We're talking specifically about Eastern Airlines Flight 401, which departed from New York for Miami on December 29th, 1972. This was a Lockheed L-1011, which crashed in IRL into the Florida Everglades, which, as we know, is full of uh, creepy crawlies that can eat human remains. Um, Both pilots and the flight engineer died along with two out of the 10 flight attendants and 96 out of the 163 passengers aboard with 75 survivors. Um, A researcher by the name of John Fuller actually wrote a book about this came out in 1976 called the ghost of flight 401. And he said that the crash was only the beginning of, of this tragedy. Yeah. uh, Cause a tragedy it was, but some of the, Parts from that crash were still functioning and able to be taken, you know, away from where from the crash site and placed into another vehicle that needed servicing, needed a spare part or something. Um, I, it's it's a strange thing, guys. I didn't know that was even a practice. Like once a flight had crashed, I don't know if it is. It feels ghoulish, doesn't it? Especially if mm-hmm. you're a commercial airliner. Military, uh, different calculation, but, but yeah, the idea that you would find this crash and the plane was found and there were survivors, uh, the idea that you would say, okay, now that the news has died down, let's, you know, let's look around. Let's see, uh, is this seat still good? Can we put this seat on another semi-identical plane uh that's the story goes through such a large forensics uh time period right where they're recreating the crash site and all of that stuff within a hangar somewhere and they just spend years with it analyzing it and just to then take it afterwards and repurpose yeah you're right it's weird yeah ghoulish again have you guys ever heard the delightfully idiotic question, or maybe it's just a meme of why don't they make the whole plane out of the stuff they make the black box out of? Well, then it wouldn't fly. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. No, it's a good question. And it's a good it's, point. It's, it, it's, it is, it's funny, but it's also silly because I mean, obviously to make an impervious, you know, lockbox of, of information that would survive being uh, in a crash and hit by, you know, heavy arms probably have to be made of some pretty serious stuff that would probably sink a plane. The whole thing was made of it. In the end, we're very squishy. And if we're inside something as impenetrable as we want it to be, we are Pretty squishy. No, we're squished. Yeah. You always wonder, like, it's that moment when you realize, oh, I'm supposed to wear a seatbelt on a plane in case it takes a serious dive. And then my meat body just flies up against the ceiling and all my bones get crushed. I'm like, why are they harping on the seatbelt so much? Or like well, how or, or like how Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit <laughs> never seems to bump against the interior of the suit. The whole time. It's a it's a huge plot hole. Anyway, Magical technology they haven't exactly anyway, revealed to us. No, it's know. beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful to have heroes. That's cool. So uh, over, the, uh, over the following years, the story goes, there were rumors this aircraft, 318, technically N318EA, that uh, had some of these salvaged parts from this horrific crash. 
It became home to ghosts, and passengers and crew alike on these Eastern airline flights would see folks like the flight engineer or the captain or a dead passenger sitting on the plane, moving around. And again, according to legend, Eastern Airlines eventually said, you know what? We're going to remove these salvaged parts from 318. And when they did, the hauntings stopped. The souls had been put to rest. This became a part of popular culture. I'm so surprised that none of us heard about this. I certainly didn't. Before we went on air today, <laughs> we played a brief trailer of a made-for-TV film by NBC starring Ernest Bornine called The Ghost of Flight 401 based off that author's book. And then I didn't even know about this. There was a guy named Bob Welch who uh, was a member of Fleetwood Mac for a time, uh, but not not like a long-term member. And uh, he recorded a song about Flight 401 on his solo album, Three Hearts from 1979. I'm being too radio DJ about it. We're not going to play the song. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can't you know, afford it. We can't afford to play the song. <laughs> uh, but, you know, even today, despite the story of the spare parts being replaced, you know, ceasing the haunting, there are still reports from like 2020 about this thing happening. And uh, people seeing ghosts on planes flying over the Everglades, specifically ghosts from Flight 401. Mm -hmm. And this was mentioned in uh, non-fringe research circles. Flight Safety Foundation, a trade newsletter, mentions the crash in uh, an issue they put out in 1974. This is a publicity nightmare for this airline. Uh we found a uh, we found a book called "From the Captain to the Colonel: An Informal History of Eastern Airlines," written by a guy named Robert J. Serling. And in this book, the the CEO of Eastern Airlines at the time, a former astronaut, by the way, named Frank Borman, says these ghost stories are garbage. And you can also find a little bit of back and forth about uh, people deciding whether or not to sue each other. Side note, that Robert Serling guy, older brother of Rod Serling, who went on no to way. create the Twilight Zone. Yeah, so I think I think when we see aviation episodes of Twilight Zone, maybe check with Rod about Robert. Also, people are out here still naming their kids with the same first letter. It just, it, I guess it's convenient. You know what I mean? Bob and Rod. Bob and Rod. Actually, that sounds really cool. No, I retract my earlier comment. That is a good plan. <laughs> so in this book, Robert Serling, not Twilight Zone, Rod Serling, old Robbie, says no wreckage from Flight 401 ever made it onto another plane. And no one at Eastern Airlines could find anyone, crew or passenger, who genuinely claimed to see a ghost firsthand. It's always a story I heard from someone who met someone who saw something. You know what I mean? 
And uh, this is where we have to give a shout out to Brian Dunning over at the Skeptoid podcast, uh, who in who believes that he's traced the the pop culture growth of this to a very bad off color joke about aircraft 318 making an emergency landing in Mexico City. It's still, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Noel is still an L ten eleven. Uh, it's just a different iteration. And this pilot joked about this emergency landing and said, it was scary. For a minute, I thought Don Repo's ghost was on the plane. Don Repo was the flight engineer for the ill-fated 401. He perished in the crash. So maybe that's how this folklore starts, right? Someone makes a joke. That joke gets taken seriously. It accelerates. People embellish it, uh, maybe to make a buck, maybe because they don't have all the facts. And now you get into these increasingly surreal situations. Speaking of surreal, we did promise you that we would introduce you to one crazy, crazy guy. So we're going to take a pause for a word from our sponsors and we'll return. What better way to land the episode than to talk about Delhi Mike? Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. And we're back. So, Ben, Deli Mike, is this a guy that makes sandwiches? What are we talking about? 
Delhi Mike. We're talking about Delhi Mike or Delhi Mayak. Uh, just like a Jersey Mike kind of situation, or it'd be so cool, right? We we probably one of our fellow listeners might have the street name Delhi Mike. And Mike, if you're hearing this, we wanna we wanna figure out what your sandwich situation is. We're gonna be on the road. Want to stop at your deli? Uh, in in Turkish, uh, deli mayak means crazy Mike. This is the street name of an infamous Airbus A340, uh, probably the most famous "quote unquote" haunted plane in the world today. Yeah, um, Delhi Mike uh, or Delhi Mike M A Y K or Mike, you know, like we would spell shorthand for Michael or Crazy Mike in Turkish. What that translates to became a part of the Turkish Airlines fleet in 1996. Um, It was designed and intended to operate long-haul flights out of Turkey. Uh, From 1996 to 2019, Delhi Mike was kind of this, had this reputation almost. Ben, you described it uh, beautifully as sort of being like a bit of a, a bad boy of the skies with a little bit of an edge, right? Yeah, prank-loving eccentric. This is an object of power. For anybody familiar with Control, the video game, or familiar with uh, SCP lore on the internet, Mike seemed to have random technical issues. Sometimes cabin lights would turn on, seemingly of their own volition, and then the crew would come to investigate, and they'd turn off. Like, uh, haha, you didn't get me yet. All right, you know, tag, not it, or whatever. Uh, the crew also apparently, there's a bunch of lore around this, and a lot of it's mainly in Turkish media. The crew would get attendant uh, calls. You know, you hit the little call uh, flight attendant button, and they would be sent to the wrong seat. Haha, classic Mike. Uh, or a passenger would try to turn on their reading light, and they would see another reading light turn on for a different seat. Now, for a lot of us familiar with electrical wiring, this sounds like maybe somebody just got their wires crossed, right? It sounds an awful lot like that. Almost exactly like that, in <laughs> fact. <laughs> uh, but, there's, but there's weirder stuff, too. There's one situation where the emergency lights, you know, that are on the floor... Uh, those had a tendency to begin, like they're off, imagine, they would begin to turn on in a wave. So from the back of the plane, sweeping all the way to the front, uh, in, a, in an almost playful manner, or like a staged manner. Mm-hmm. We're anthropomorphizing a little bit, but you kind of have to, to really enjoy it, right? It's like, you know, if you've ever been at a stadium during a game and people do the wave, a mass in a crowd, you know, you want to be part of it. You want to be cool. So uh, apparently flight attendants took this to mean crazy Mike, Deli Mike was in a good mood. Uh, the most famous stories about this plane hinge on flight instruments. Apparently there was an emergency signal emitted in the cockpit. A uh, Edit me here, Paul a kind of signal that would indicate an oh shit moment. And this terrified some of the newer crew members, but the old hands, the people who had been with this plane for a while said, ah, you know, that's just, cla- you know, that's Mike. 
Hey, just you get it. Give him a second. Let him take a breather. Give him 10. Give him 10. We'll get off this runway. Don't worry. Don't you worry about it. Uh, and then we've got my, I think, at least for me, you guys, this is my favorite story about Crazy Mike. It's a story of an old engineer who apparently knew Mike quite well. So one day there was an instrument malfunction um, and the crew could not get the plane back online um, or couldn't get it back to its you know specs. It's its baseline kind of standards. Uh, legend has it. They called in an old technician familiar with Mike. It was very intimately familiar. The old fellow knocked on the cockpit door, walked in and said, what happened to you, big man? Then the old tech hung out with the pilots for a bit before strolling away into the, the sunset, never physically working on the plane, never actually touching the component in, in question, the malfunctioning component. And apparently the conversation was plenty pleasant because right after that, everything went right back to normal. All of the uh, haywire kind of readouts Started to level out, didn't they? And crazy. It's almost as though yeah. this man was calming to the plane. He coaxed it into behaving correctly again. And crazy Mike's back in the sky. You know, I love, I love this idea. Uh, this is again apocryphal, but there are people in Turkish Airlines who will swear by it. I love this idea that you could, you could walk in and kind of have this moment uh, off air. Matt, you brought up something that I, I had forgotten about uh, our one-time fearless leader and a mentor to us uh, regularly spoke with finicky machines. Yes, much in the same way as this story. Uh, if there was a problem that, let's say, just for instance, I assumed it was a software issue, maybe even a hardware issue, when something was malfunctioning with my Mac and I just couldn't get things to work right, I'd get frustrated and try and figure out and solve the problem, like, again, via software or hardware. And Roxanne would stroll in and just be like, just gently uh, put her hand on the machine be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay, buddy. It'll be all right. It's all right. Let's just take a minute. Let's just relax a little bit. And talking to my computer, not to, to me. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. I, I, I've seen similar moments. What I what I also recall is that the temperature would drop down a few degrees Fahrenheit during those conversations, which as <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Well, that was my that was my perception, but uh, but perhaps my perception is incorrect. Yeah, people. A lot of our fellow listeners right now, if you work around machinery especially complex machinery then you you may also find yourself you know maybe muttering under your breath like come on just not today don't do this to me today tyson or whatever you call uh, whatever your name for your machine is uh and again if it's a superstition it's not hurting anyone you're fine you're good to go but is it possible that talking to uh, an inanimate object, right, or a non-sentient thing may have some sort of result. A lot of people believe something like that. Low-key, a lot of people believe that. And Mike here 
our pal Mike, is treated less like a quote-unquote haunted plane and more like a, a, a friendly, quirky, sentient object. Uh, you know, it's like if it's a ghost, it's like Slimer and Ghostbusters. It is mischievous. Little little pinch of the cheeks, uh, but not out to actually harm anyone. I don't know, man. I mean, he was a little chaotic in the movie. He was a little more of a familiar in the real Ghostbusters cartoon, but I always found him horrifying in the in the first Ghostbusters movie. He's kind of comes at you, yeah, you know, drooling all the while. Yeah, and he does slime people. Hence the name. Indeed. You know, I always wondered about his background too. Like, is he was he ever a human being? What was his oh, life funny like? you should. That guy, oh my gosh, there's this guy, Landis, Max Landis, who he got kind of canceled um, for some bad uh, male behavior. But he, he did do an interesting YouTube video, I think, before this happened, where he talked about his Ghostbusters sequel, where it explains Slimer's backstory. So if you're interested, just look up Max Landis' Ghostbusters sequel. He does have a pretty clever pitch for what, uh, what Slimer's backstory was. Nice, but but Mike in this case was not like Slimer in that way. He was very, it, he didn't harm anybody. Uh, I just want to bring this up right before we end here, guys. I was reading about a an accident that Deli Mike got into at some point in 2011. They called it a, oh, what do they call it? They call it an excursion. I believe it's where when the plane lands, it... Uh, goes off the runway just a bit, but nobody was harmed in that, I guess, incident. Uh, but it did, you know, cause some pretty significant damage to the landing gear when it occurred. And then, you know, that landing gear, that piece of Deli Mike had to get replaced. And there's a story, I can't remember which link it was in, Ben, but it's one of the links you shared. There's a story that all of the component parts of Deli Mike's electronics over the years had been replaced completely oh, because very, because very the ship of thesis okay yes because the engineers were like well clearly there's something wrong with the wiring that we're just not able to see so let's replace this entire thing every component and it still did its weird stuff yeah, get him, Mike. <laughs> so this uh that that is I read about the landing gear as well and this idea of slowly replacing every component of a thing and if that idea of the thing is still the same it, it's Apparently it's fascinating. It it's fascinating. And also we have to ask about the nature of perception and observation. To what degree does the human mind interfere with something when it observes that thing, right? That action, that activity, that relationship. Uh, folks, you can see all sorts of, again, quirky, fun reports about our guy, Crazy Mike, our plane, I should say, uh, and the hijinks that my, that is attributed to this Airbus. Uh, but a lot of those have what I would call big slow news day vibes. You know, they're, 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 hey, look at that kind of things. They're not, what does this mean? Reports. Uh, we wanted to end on a good note. So ultimately, our pal, and hopefully yours, Crazy Mike, Deli Mike, was retired and stored in Johannesburg, South Africa. And just last month, as we record this in December of 2022, Crazy Mike and a couple other Airbuses, all from Turkish Airlines, retired, were flown out to Uzbekistan 
on December 24th, Christmas Eve for the Christians, and they got derailed. They made an emergency landing in Tehran, and Dutch media speculates that Iran may have done this on purpose to uh, get around Western sanctions uh, for buying new aircraft. So right now, our pal, Crazy Mike, is uh, living it up in Tehran. He's on another adventure, bro. Crazy stuff, you know? Uh, well, that's our, that's our episode on haunted airplanes. And I think none of us have encountered ghostly stuff on airplanes, but we've all been in surreal situations on airplanes. You meet people in a weird liminal space. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Matt, Noel, do you, do you think we might have anybody listening to the show today or tonight who has a paranormal experience on aircraft? There's also a really good um, heavy metal segment in the heavy metal animated film, not the more recent one, the heavy metal 2000 something, but the one from like the 80s where there's like a, a warship piloted by uh, zombie skeletons, which is just a really cool, you know, little horror horror story. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because we we do, I think, typically think more of like ghost ships. You know, and like uh, either ships found adrift or ships where everyone has died because they were marooned or something like that. Um, so I do think it's interesting to kind of take that concept to the sky. I mean, it takes all kinds. I imagine there's somebody that's seen something. I think the creepiest thing I've seen on an airplane is like, um, I guess when the temperature differential is just right, sometimes when the air gets pumped through, it kind of looks like a gas where it's like you can see it like, you know, vapor and almost looks like the way it looks in movies when like, they pump poisonous gas through the ventilation systems. So I definitely got freaked out seeing that one time, but that's about it for me. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of these mother flipping spirits on this mother flipping mm -hmm. plane. plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all yeah. this mother flipping cocaine and these mother flipping bears, you know, what's up with that? Just, you know, I remember when tornadoes were just wind and debris and houses and unfortunate uh, children in in Kansas and Nebraska. It was way before the magical labs. way before they started putting sharks in all that stuff. You know, there's a there's a tornado uh, culture war. Uh, don't believe big shark. Uh, also, snakes on a plane. That's how That's how you know you got a good title for something. We want to hear your stories. We have a lot of people who are listening now, fellow conspiracy realists who work in the aviation industry, have a pilot's license, uh, or, have, or have been on a plane and encountered something that is inexplicable. We would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you are listening to this and you happen to have a, a connect with our pal Crazy Mike, uh, we'd love to we'd love to do a podcast hanging out with Crazy Mike. Let us know. We try to be easy to find online. Oh, indeed. Check us out on the internet where we are conspiracy stuff on YouTube, um, on Facebook, where we have a group called Here's Where It Gets Crazy, and on Twitter on Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Also, on TikTok, we're Conspiracy Stuff, right? Show. Show. Boom. TikTok as well. Lots of fun stuff popping off on Instagram and TikTok these days. Uh, hey, catch us on TikTok before it gets outlawed, right? 
Ben. Oh, yes, yes. Carpe diem. Uh, and if you also like to live in the now, but you don't care for sipping the social meads, perhaps you're taking a dry January from uh, the various online forms of communication and you want to go old school, you have a story to tell, well, we want to hear it and we don't want social media to get in the way. Please do give us a phone call. You can use your telephonic device uh, to hit the following numbers, one eight three three sddwytk You'll hear a familiar voice. Hopefully you'll hear a beep like so. Beep. You got three minutes. Go crazy. Go nuts with it. Give yourself a nickname. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us if we can share your story with your fellow conspiracy realists. Most importantly, don't edit yourself. If you have other stuff to say, if you have some links you want to send us, we read every single email we get. All you have to do is drop us a line at our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com.